Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Some people can't see softness without wanting to hurt it. Akweke Amezi, The Death of Vivek Ojai. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping the books I read in July. Recording this episode has been a journey through no one's fault, no technical difficulties, no issues, just me. Uh, unable to determine what I want to say <laughs> about the books I read in July. So in May and June, as many of you listeners know, I wound up reading an exorbitant amount of books, a ridiculous number of books, at least for my personal reading life. I think I read between 12 and 15 books for each of those months. This month, I'm a little bit back to my normal reading rhythm, and yet it felt not at all normal. Um, I read about eight books that includes two Babysitter's Club books. And the truth is, I looked back over my list, and they were good books and really enjoyable reads. But for some reason, I just um, find myself struggling to like a lot of things right now. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. And I want to be clear, the books I'm about to share with you, I really did like. But it was also a month in which I put down a lot of books. Uh, again, not perhaps because of dislike so much as because... I couldn't wrap my brain around them or they just didn't meet me where I am right now or whatever. It was just an odd, a little bit of an odd reading month um, or it felt odd to me while it was happening. Now that I'm looking back, it looks like a totally, <laughs> a totally normal uh, month for me. But this has been a season in which the things I typically enjoy don't necessarily hold the same magic for me. And I know that that will probably change, but that's just where I am right now. So keeping that in mind, let's get started on the books I read in July. The first book I finished was Tiny Imperfections. This is a book by Allie Frank and Asha Humans. I picked it up because I saw it, I want to say, on the Ashley Brook Book Club. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that book club, um, but I saw that it was a pick for them. The cover is really striking. It's a paperback original. Looks very much in the same vein as like a, I don't know, a shopaholic book or something like that. That is immediately kind of what attracted me to the book. Uh, and then I'm always intrigued by novels written by or co-written by a pair of people because I don't know how that's possible. I know that it is perfectly possible, but I don't understand the logistics of co-writing a book. I think it's fascinating. So the book is Tiny Imperfections. This is a book that also attracted me, not just because of the cover, but because of the subject matter. So the main character, Josie, is a former model. She is a black woman working for a very elite private school out in the Bay Area of California, and she works in admissions. And look, I think we all as a culture are really interested right now in admissions and in admissions culture. I certainly was in terms of college, but what's interesting to me about this book is Josie is helping folks uh, who are in kindergarten or whose children are in kindergarten apply for this elite private school. So I feel like I've heard horror stories or interesting stories, uh, especially in bigger cities where uh, parents are really vying for like the top spots at preschools and kindergartens, which is just mind boggling to me. And so I wanted kind of an inside look at that culture. And I also was intrigued because Allie and Asha both met while working in the educational system. And while it sounds like working through, um, through a couple of private schools as well. So I think they brought that expertise to the book. 
Here's what I loved. I really loved the premise. I loved the main character, Josie, and her aunt and daughter. It very much reminded me of kind of a Gilmore Girls multi-generational family vibe. I love three kind of strong women at the, at the center of this family. And I loved the um, admissions component and what kind of the behind the scenes at what's happening at these schools in order to round out their classes and their classrooms. The part that fell a little flat for me, and it may not fall flat for anyone else, was kind of the romantic storyline. This book definitely has a rom-com element to it or a romance element to it. Um, and it was perfectly fine and serviceable. It just was not my favorite part of the book. So. I really liked that this book um, focused on the three women uh, in this family, in Josie's family, and then her work life. She even has a really great best friend relationship that I really appreciated, but the romance ultimately fell a little bit flat. And that's okay because I'm not sure, again, based on my reading life and what I'm enjoying and what I'm not enjoying right now, it may entirely have been my fault. <laughs> Uh, and so I feel like I should preface all of my uh, tastes right now with just this idea that pandemic brain is real and it has affected, it's almost like my taste buds have been affected, if that makes sense. So here's the other thing. I think this one will probably appeal potentially to fans of Jasmine Guillory, particularly Party of Two, which um, I really loved. It's my favorite one of hers. The reason is because because of what we're dealing with in terms of a pandemic, in terms of what's going on um, in our world, just there's a lot of anxiety or um, exhaustion. And sometimes even light fun books, I'm not really enjoying right now, unless they also have a tie-in to something a little bit deeper. And so for party of two, that was criminal justice reform. Um, and it dealt with it in a totally it didn't, you know, it didn't delve into like the details of criminal justice reform. It just kind of did it with a light touch. And I really liked that. Um, Tiny Imperfections is doing that with school admissions and the school admissions process and what families do and what they're willing to say, and maybe even the truth they're willing to twist in, um, in order to get into schools. And what that looks like, um, both from a racial perspective, because Josie is a black woman kind of working in this environment, um, but also from a class perspective. And so I really liked that element of the book. And I think that's why I ultimately preferred it to the love story itself. Um, anyway, the book is Tiny Imperfections. It's by Allie Frank and Asha Humans. It's out in paperback now. Okay, next is a book I really, truly loved. Uh, this is called One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. Uh, I This is another one I feel like I've probably seen on the internet. I feel like some readers I trust um, posted about this one. But also we had the ARC at the bookshelf and Laura, who works at the bookshelf, read it and devoured it and loved it. And then was like, Annie, I think you're really gonna like this. And Laura, you were right. I loved this book. Um, one to Watch is... I feel like pretty obviously based on the bachelor bachelorette franchise. It is not called that, uh, the book or the show in the book is called main squeeze. And normally sometimes I get distracted. In fact, we're going to talk later about another book that fictionalized some real things some some, some true life things. Uh, and sometimes that's just distracting to me, um, because it almost feels like, I don't know, the off brand of something. Um, but I actually think it really works in this book. Um, the protagonist is B. She is delightful. She is a plus size fashion blogger who on her blog will occasionally kind of critique and, put, you know, do these recaps of main squeeze. And when she does, she kind of critiques the, lack of body diversity on the show. And a producer reads her blog because it, you know, of course goes viral and approaches B to become the lead for the next season of Main Squeeze, which 
nobody from The Bachelor is listening to this, but I would be very interested <laughs> if something like that could actually happen. I, t- I told a friend about this book and I was like, this is the best season of The Bachelor I've ever watched. Like <laughs> This book, <laughs> this book I'm reading is the best season of The Bachelor I've ever seen. So B becomes the uh, main character. She becomes the lead on Main Squeeze and looks for love. But what I love is that this book deals with B's own insecurities and how she um, really is trying to figure out if she understands that she is worthy of love. Um, it also really tackles kind of behind the scenes of a show like this and what goes into production. And it reminded me of, gosh, it was that show on Lifetime. I cannot remember the name of it, but it was a great show about, it really was loosely based on The Bachelor. Um, Cause I think a former producer on that show uh, created this show on, on Lifetime. Again, some, some of you are yelling in your car, the name of this show, <laughs> um, but it was a great show. This book uh, kind of does the exact same thing where it's dealing with what goes into the production of a show like The Bachelor or Bachelorette, what goes into the franchise and the stuff that happens behind the scenes is not entirely above board. I loved this book. I think the writing is fantastic. It is going to be a five-star read for me uh, when I post about it. Star ratings in my reading life have been a little wonky lately because I sometimes think um, my enjoyment level is not the book's fault. It's really (laughs) the pandemic's fault. Um, But because One to Watch is dealing with some also weightier subject matter, I guess, dealing with kind of body diversity, but also what goes on behind the scenes of a show. Um, I don't know, because it was dealing with with more intense issues, but handling them in a light way. I really appreciated it. So highly recommend this book. Loved it. I don't know if it'll be in a top 10 for the whole year for me, but it will definitely be up there in terms of enjoyment level. You won't be able to put it down, especially if you are at all interested in the bachelor or bachelorette franchise. This is called one to watch Kate Stamen London. I hope it gets a lot of praise because I do think it deserves it and is worthy of it. The next book I read was True Story by Kate Reed Petty. Um, this book releases actually pretty soon after this episode releases, August 4th. This is a book that I think, oh man, it was so intense, but really good and worth your time and worth your while. I think one of the blurbs on it was that it's unputdownable, and I would have to agree with that. I And I went from one to watch, which like I said, was a little bit lighter and funnier and really enjoyable, just downright enjoyable, pleasant, just an utterly pleasant reading experience. True story is not necessarily a pleasant reading experience just because of what you're dealing with. Um, so this is a uh, book about a ghostwriter named Alice and she is just continually, and we don't even, we aren't even really fully introduced to Alice, um, until we get a few pages into the book. But, um, basically Alice is haunted by the story that she's never been able to tell, which is the story of her, um, sexual assault. So you get kind of get, um, Alice's perspective, but you also get Nick's perspective. He is a lacrosse. He was a lacrosse player back in the late nineties and his team kind of was state champs. And anyway, they, they're on top of the world until one of their teammates, um, drives a passed out girl home and rumors about what happened in the backseat spread. And so Alice, Nick, and then two friends who were kind of related to the incident narrate and share their perspectives. So the book kind of bounces back and forth through a lot of different viewpoints, which was never distracting. Um, I really liked it. If you are a PG reader, the subject matter here is as, as you could probably guess, pretty intense. 
the first parts or several parts of the book are told from Nick's perspective. And so you get a lot of bro, like lacrosse playing stereotypes, but I also think probably realistic portrayals of what happens in a locker room and things like that. And some of that was a little hard for me as a kind of a prudish mm, PG adjacent. I'm not always a PG reader, but some of it was pretty intense to read, I think, because you know what it's building up toward. That being said, I, I, I highly recommend this book. I was so grateful for it. I thought it was really smart, really well written, dealing with something tragic and intense, but dealing with it in a way that I think will be accessible for a lot of readers, particularly readers of fiction. Um, so if you maybe are somebody who has avoided some of this in your nonfiction, I'm thinking of like Unbelievable or Know My Name, which are books that I highly recommend, but maybe fiction might be a way that you can approach these subjects if you have been unable to do so with nonfiction. I love the varying viewpoints. I love the back and forth with time that this book did. We we're taken back kind of back to the to the 1999 incident and kind of what is happening in 1999 and around this, this school and in the, in this um, kind of environment in like a wealthy Baltimore suburb. But then we're also kind of flashing forward and there are so these characters, I think one of the things I really appreciate about what Kate Reed Petty did was some of these characters could have been so one note and so so one-sided and instead they're really complicated and really nuanced. And I think those complications are hard for us sometimes as people. Um, we forget that the humanity means that we are made up of really gross things and really great things. And I think Kate Petty acknowledges that part of humanity. Um, in a really realistic, um, well-wrought way. So this is called True Story by Kate Reed Petty. Really liked it. I really highly recommend it and think it is worth your time. Um, comes out on August 4th. Next, I, as if that wasn't intense enough, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I decided to pick up The Death of Vivek Ojai by Akweke Amezi. You will recognize um, their name from the book Freshwater, which I never read, but now, believe me, it has moved to the top of my TBR list. That's a book I think that came out in 2018. They also wrote Pet, a young adult book that came out, um, I want to say last year. Um, but this is my first book by them, and it is called The Death of Vivek Ojai. I adored this book. I wish this was a video podcast sometimes so that you could see the enthusiasm <laughs> the enthusiasm on my face and in my hand motions. I could not put this book down. Um, it's my favorite book I've read, I think, since Vanishing Half, um, just in terms of quality of writing and quality of storytelling. I cannot say enough good things about this book. So if you are not familiar, um, and you you might not be because it does not come out until um, August 4th. So, um, this book is about, oh gosh, and it opens with this really great sentence. Um, I'm flipping to it so that I can just read it to you because I think it just immediately like chapter one is one sentence. And I thought, okay, I'm in it now. Um, they burned down the market on the day Vivek Ojai died. And immediately I was sucked in. I wanted to know what happened. And that is how I spent the entire book. So, um, if true story was unputdownable, then I don't even know what to categorize this one as because I started this book and could not put it down. And it's not because I needed to fly through it because the writing is so great that you really don't want to fly through it. But I could not put it down because I desperately needed to know what happened to Vivek, um, to what happened to um, the family at the heart of the book. 
basically you are taken back and forth as the reader um, between Vivek Ojai's upbringing in Nigeria, um, but also what happens after their deaths. And so um, basically a mother in Nigeria discovers her son's body wrapped in colorful fabric at her feet. And if that takes your breath away, truly this book took my breath away. There is so much in here about identity, about, um, grief about parenting. Um, I think Riverhead or maybe Oprah magazine, somebody blurbed this book and I thought the blurb was so great because, uh, it basically was like, what does a family do when the child they know is not the child they bury or, or something like that. It was so profound. <laughs> it was such a, and that is not always true of blurbs, but it was so profound and so well done. And I thought, well, that really sums it up. Um, because how much does a family know? How much do parents know about their children? And what happens when the child, you know, dies and becomes somebody else. And I just love this book. I can't tell you, I can't talk to you enough about it. Um, I think it's outstanding. It Again, I feel like I'm just throwing this phrase around and I'm going to have to really look at what my top 10 of the year will actually be, but I am confident the death of Vivek Ojai will be at the top of that list. Um, I am desperate to go back and read Freshwater by Akweke Amizé because, or Amizé, because I think they're a genius. I really do. Um, and I don't, I don't use that term lightly. I feel like I only try to use it when I really mean an author is a genius. And I think I think they are. So this is The Death of Vivek Ojai by Akweke Abezi, and it comes out August 4th. I can't wait to put it in your hands. I really can't. It's so good. Okay. I got to take a deep breath after that one because because <laughs> that book is so weighty, but in such a good, oh, in such a good way. The, the storytelling is, um, oh, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Quite the departure. The, the next book. This is what I mean. Like my reading life is just a wild ride <laughs> right now. Um, the book I read next was A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost, who you will recognize from Saturday Night Live. And he really does have such a punchable, blandly handsome face. Um, his face is on the very striking cover of this book. Um, this is a humor memoir. I wasn't sure I was going to be in the mood for it, but a friend of mine, um, Courtney, who has been on the podcast before, she was listening to the audio book and she texted me and she was like, look, I started this book. I've laughed out loud in the first 10 minutes. I think you should try it. Normally, by the way, I'm very much here for an SNL adjacent book. Um, I really like comedic memoirs, but they often are very hit or miss for me. And I just didn't know if I really would be interested in that right now, <laughs> especially I had just come off of these two very intense books. And so I wasn't sure it was going to be the book for me, but it turns out it really was. I really liked it. It is gosh, I'm trying to think. I wish I could like have a, have a rating, a ranking of SNL kind of comedic memoirs. Like I actually didn't super love Amy Poehler's, but I adored Tina Fey's. Um, I really liked, um, oh, I really loved, um, oh, the one that Amy Schumer's, um, producer or writer, Jesse something. So sorry. You'll grow out of it. I really loved that book. I really loved You'll Grow Out of It, but I thought Amy Schumer's book was just fine. Um, so it's kind of hit or miss. I'm really waiting for Seth Meyers to write a book is honestly what I'm waiting for. But until then, Colin Jost, I think is the next best thing. Here's what I really liked. One minute I was laughing out loud and that's true. I laughed out loud at multiple parts. I texted a screenshot from a friend or texted a picture of it to my friend and was like, 
am I the female Colin Jost? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> like, like, is this who I am? Um, I weirdly found him to be very relatable, which I was not anticipating at all. Uh, the writing is great. But I was laughing out loud one minute and the next minute I was truly touched. <laughs> um, and I, again, was not anticipating that at all. There's a chapter devoted to his mom who is a doctor for um, FDNY. And so she was there on 9-11. And boy, that chapter really touched something deep within me. I thought it was really um, beautiful and sweet. I really liked this book without any expectation that I was going to. Um, again, writing is really great. Very funny, thoroughly enjoyable, highly recommend. That is A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost. I've also heard the audiobook is great. Next up, I read The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes by Alyssa R. Sloan. This is very much going to scratch that Daisy Jones and the Six uh, hole in your heart. I think I mixed two metaphors there. It's fine. Um, the Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes comes out in September. It is going to be a paperback original. I read it this past weekend and devoured it. Look, it's almost so similar to Daisy Jones and the Six that I think I don't know if that will um, prevent some people from reading it. It is not an oral history. It is instead kind of a, the story of a band, a girl girl group. It almost reminds me of like the Spice Girls or something like that. They kind of hit their peak in 2002, um, this fictional uh, group called The Gloss. And the book opens with three members of The Gloss kind of doing this radio show, um, but one of the members is not there with them. And they find out while recording this radio segment that she has died from suicide. And um, the, the three remaining members then have to deal with the fallout of that. I devoured this book. It's not one that I that I loved as much as some of the other ones I've mentioned on today's episode, but it is one that very much propelled forward my reading life. It prevented me from going into a reading slump. I um, finished it very quickly. I liked um, the characters. You have these four women um, who it rotates among their different voices for the narration of the book. Again, this is not an oral history, but it does bring in some oral history type elements. Like it is an article, a fictional article from a Vanity Fair piece. It is a fictional interview. Um, a radio broadcast. So it incorporates some other things like that, which I do like uh, to kind of mix up, uh, kind of mix it up. I did appreciate that. I really liked the various viewpoints. Cassidy, who is the character who dies in the first, just the first few pages of the book, she narrates a great deal of it. Um, you kind of watch her meteoric rise from appearing on this uh, kind of American Idol inspired show. One to Watch, the book I referenced previously. So One to Watch dealt, I thought, in a really good way um, with kind of a fictional universe, but one that is very much based on a real thing that we all know about. So it could have been distracting, um, but I thought Kate Stamen London in One to Watch handled that really well, where she was writing, you know, she was writing about The Bachelor or Bachelorette, but she created her own world around Main Squeeze. Alyssa R. Sloan is doing the same thing. Like she references a show like American Idol, but it's called something else. She references a magazine like Rolling Stone, but I think it's called something else. And I know why authors have to do that, um, but I will say it was slightly distracting in, um, in the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. Um, that being said, that's such a small, like silly nitpicky thing. I do think this book is really compelling. There are, um, I am not a person, I'm not a super sensitive reader, um, in terms of a lot of content. So I don't often give content warnings. Um, this book does though deal with suicide. Um, it also deals with disordered eating. Um, 
So I think that should just be kind of on your radar as you go into it. Um, again, I don't frequently give content warnings because I am not a super sensitive reader and I don't often, um, for better or worse, I don't often pick up on, on things that I feel comfortable warning people about, but I do think you should know that going into this book. Um, I really liked this one, maybe didn't love it, but I do think it should be on your radar. And I think if you liked Daisy Jones and the six, I do think you will like this one. Um, and I think, like I said, it'll kind of fill that void for you. Plus it's a paperback original. And I think if you're looking for, um, maybe a less expensive reading option then this one will totally fit the bill. And I think you will enjoy it. It is called the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. This is by Alyssa R. Sloan. And I wrapped up the month or throughout the month, I finished two Babysitter's Book Club books uh, or Babysitter's Club books for my Babysitter's Book Club, uh, Marianne Saves the Day and Dawn and the Impossible Three. Interestingly, although I adore Marianne and I believe I am very much partly a Marianne character, I did not love Marianne's uh, narration style as much as I anticipated. That's probably because my expectations were high. Uh, however, I forgot how much I love Dawn. Very much here for Dawn. I think Dawn is the unsung hero of the Babysitter's Club books. I wish I was Dawn, though I am not. And so highly enjoy. I just keep, I just can't recommend kind of revisiting some childhood favorites. Maybe not all of them are worth your time <laughs> as an adult, but these Babysitter's Club books are really holding up. And the conversations we're having on our babysitters book club are really delightful and interesting and insightful, really surprisingly insightful given the thin, uh, these tiny little babysitters club books, but I really am enjoying revisiting them this summer and we are going to continue revisiting them. Um, so by the time this episode goes live, we are going to be continuing our babysitters back. All right. Book club. We are doing round two. So if you missed out on round round one, you have an opportunity to join us for round two. We will be covering books seven through 11 of the Babysitter's Club book series by Anne M. Martin this fall, beginning on September 4th. So unless it has sold out by the time this episode goes up, you should have time to go sign up. Um, sign up means you have to buy the book bundle and then you are automatically enrolled <laughs> in our book club conversations. Those happen every other week and you can find all kinds of details about that on our store website, uh, bookshelfthomasville.com. But if you want to join in on the babysitters club fun, which I highly recommend you do, then I encourage you to go sign up for babysitters back. All right. Round two. Those are the books I read in July friends. Um, it was an eclectic mix. Some books I really, really truly loved some books that'll go in my top 10, a book that I just had a ton of fun with. And then some others that I think other people will probably love even more than I did. Um, so that about wraps it up. I hope your own reading life is a place of joy for you right now. I know things are so up in the air that um, even reading, maybe not maybe not bringing you the peace it once did, but I, I'm wishing that for you and I'm hoping that for you. Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at Bookshelf T-Bill, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. 
This week, I'm reading Betty by Tiffany McDaniel. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. Mm-hmm.